This is The Guardian. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week he has a candid conversation with guests, including Prime Ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, today, we're here to talk about fusion. A few days ago, scientists from the U.S. National Ignition Facility in California announced a major breakthrough in nuclear fusion. Combining two particles into one. For the first time since research began in the 1950s, an experiment released more energy than was pumped into it, a massive achievement known as ignition or energy gain. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. There are hopes that fusion could pave the way for near limitless clean energy in the future. But what exactly is nuclear fusion? What have researchers achieved already? And how long until it's powering our toasters? I'm The Guardian Science Editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Alain Becquelet, you're head of engineering at ITER, the International Nuclear Fusion Research Project in France. Now, let's start with the basics. What is nuclear fusion? So nuclear fusion is one of the nuclear processes that we can exploit in order to get energy out of the matter. The one we are already exploiting is nuclear fission, which consists in trying to break the big nuclei and get energy out of them. And this second branch of nuclear reaction is about having very small nuclei colliding, getting stuck together, and this also creates energy out of it. This is the energy that is essentially driving all the stars in the universe. We are trying to reproduce a small part of the sun and to put it in a box here on Earth. And what kinds of fuels are used in these fusion reactions in the lab? What are you putting into the system, if you like? And are you getting you know, a lot of waste products coming out? 
The fuel is the small nuclei. Uh, the ones that we are trying to use on Earth are two isotopes of the hydrogen, so two, let's say, variants of the hydrogen, the one that is called deuterium and the one that is called tritium. Deuterium is naturally present as a natural isotope of hydrogen on Earth. In any liter of water, you will find a couple of grams of that. The tritium uh, nuclei, on the contrary, we don't find it at all on Earth. We have to create it. In terms of waste, the big advantage is the fact that by fusing deuterium and tritium, essentially we create helium. So we don't create any radioactive waste that then you have to process afterwards, etc. So it's one of the big advantages for reproducing this kind of reaction on Earth. Tell me what researchers' hopes are for fusion energy. I mean, why are they making so much effort on this particular technology? One gram of deuterium and tritium is eventually providing you the same amount of energy as burning eight tons of oil. So this is extremely powerful. It's a green energy. There is no CO2 or whatsoever a greenhouse effect gases created with this reaction. So there are a lot of advantages. Of course, the drawback of this one is to reproduce a sun on Earth. So it's to create a medium that eventually reaches hundreds of millions of degrees. This is what we need to do in order to trigger this kind of nuclear reactions. So how do you get the deuterium and tritium to reach hundreds of millions of degrees? That's no normal oven, right? There are two routes, two ways of reaching this uh, extremely high temperature and pressure conditions. The first way is to compress a mixture of deuterium and tritium up to the very, very point where the nuclei are so close with, to each other that they can start fusing. This is the inertial fusion route that has made a very, very important breakthrough uh, this week. The second route is to uh, sort of create a box. I mean, there is no material box that will contain this kind of uh, condition. So we have to create a box out of magnetic fields in which we trap the deuterium and the tritium and simply you heat this medium that then reaches this kind of, also this kind of conditions. And this is the magnetic fusion route to fusion energy. And how will people make sure that sort of nuclear fusion plants like this are safe? I mean, if they're essentially creating little stars on Earth, people might be concerned about whether that's all being contained safely and so on. Alors, the, the big advantage of fusion is the fact that it's not a chain reaction. The only thing that can happen to a fusion reaction is to stop if we don't take care of it, okay? So that's the last big advantage of this kind of solutions. It's something that cannot lead to an explosion or to something like this. So where are we with this technology now? Today, in the magnetic fusion route, we are at the moment where we are capable to build the prototype reactor. So where we are capable to build a machine called a tokamak. And this machine is aiming at reaching 500 megawatts of fusion energy. And so to try to demonstrate that we are now mastering the physics and the technology of the magnetic fusion route sufficiently enough so that we can now imagine building a fusion reactor that will generate energy. On the inertial fusion route, 
I would say the physics and the technology are slightly below this kind of level. You sort of do a mini implosion, a mini nuclear explosion here. And in order to go to energy production, you will have to reproduce this in time. The inertial fusion uh, technology and science is at the level where now they have demonstrated that they can do it once. And it is already extremely, extremely interesting and very important. So now we've just been hearing about this major breakthrough from the US. And for the first time, researchers there have achieved something called ignition. What is ignition in this context? The terminology we use in this community is twofold. We have the break-even and the ignition. Uh, Fusion reactions are obtained out of a process. You inject energy, you heat or you compress a medium, and then you get energy out of it. The break-even is the moment when you get exactly the same amount of energy that the energy you have put in. And the ignition is the moment when you get more energy out of the energy you put in. On the inertial fusion route, uh, what has just been reached is by far overcoming the break-even and probably very close to ignition. So it looks like uh, something like an amplification factor close to 100 or something has been obtained out of this. So this lab in the US, the National Ignition Facility, they basically use extremely high-powered lasers to essentially heat and compress a little fuel pellet. I think it's about the size of a peppercorn. And by achieving that compression and heating, you, you drive these fusion reactions. Do we know how much energy they got out of this attempt? Basically, they got something like three megajoule out of two injected at the target level. Of course, uh, to be totally fair, in order to get even these two megajoule of, uh, of laser beams uh, compressing the, the, the medium, uh, you have hundreds of megajoules uh, spent at the laser level in order to create these laser beams. So. If you were to do a full energy balance, uh, having in mind the fact that you want to make it a reactor, uh, we we still have orders of magnitude to go uh, before being able to create a reactor out of this. This is a key point you raise, though. Although they talk about pumping in about two megajoules of energy into the, the fuel pellet and getting a little more than three megajoules out. As soon as you plug in the lasers and switch them on, you're using 300 megajoules roughly of of power just to get the system up and running so you can do the experiment in the first place. So clearly still a long way to go, but how significant then is this step in our sort of efforts towards fusion power? Scientifically speaking, this is a major achievement. It's the first time on Earth that we can overcome by fusion reaction the power that is injected by the power that is created. It is, it is a major breakthrough. Of course, there is still a long way to go for uh, exploiting this as an energy source in terms of industrial uh, approach and also commercial approach. How did you feel when you heard this news from the US? Extremely happy. I mean, we are all looking for 
something extremely complex, extremely challenging. And uh, we are all happy of each other's success because the goal is really to create an energy source or energy sources that are completely virtuous in a sense. So it's an extremely important news for all the community and believe me for mankind, even if mankind will see uh, electricity in its plug at home uh, from fusion maybe in 40, 50 years time. Before this was achieved, this announcement from the US, were scientists really certain that it was possible to get this kind of energy gain out of a, a system here on Earth? We are all sure that it's possible. Just look at the sun, okay? The previous record was 0.7 as an amplification factor, not above one, but uh, slightly below one. So it's a sort of continuous progress. The challenge is a technological integration challenge. How can we make a machine out of that? There's obviously still a long way, as you've said, to go before we can have fusion energy powering our homes and businesses and such like. But give us a sense of what hurdles need to be overcome. Are they scientific? Are they chiefly engineering now? What does the sort of future look like in terms of the, the breakthroughs, the extra breakthroughs now that we need to make? With inertial fusion, the challenge now would be for them, if they want to make an energy source out of it, to reproduce this several times a second. If we want to turn inertial fusion into a reactor, you have to imagine, uh, I don't know, this kind of mini implosion or mini explosion, 10 to 20 times a second for days, months, years. Technologically speaking, it's extremely challenging. Your lasers have to reproduce simply this kind of uh, this charge 10 times a second. Uh, you have to replace again your target 10 times a second, etc., etc. So technologically speaking, there are still a large number of steps to be addressed. Uh, nothing is impossible. Just finally for you, Alan, if we did have this sort of near limitless clean energy supply available to us, would that really solve all our problems? I mean, or do you think it might just cause us to ramp up production of even more stuff and cause even more environmental damage? Let's put it the other way around. I mean, it's obvious, I think, that for the development of mankind, we cannot play a scenario where we ask everybody to reduce drastically their consumption of energy. This is absurd. On the well-developed country, this is will be not accepted by the population. And on the underdeveloped countries, we, you, we cannot come today and say, hey, guys, come on, uh, you, you, you cannot reach the level of life that we have on the developed countries. So the need for energy is intrinsically associated to our society, to our way of living. So the challenge is effectively now to continue producing and spending uh, energy in a totally safe way. We need to stop burning coal, uh, gas and others and to find solutions that produce energy without exhausting our uh, resources. So fusion is one for sure and looks very uh, promising. We will never have zero impact. I'm sorry, uh, whatever we do, we have an impact. But we, we, we can significantly, if not drastically, reduce the impact that we have on Earth today with our uh, way of, uh, of, let's say, burning energy. Alan, many thanks for coming on. Really good to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Alan Bekule. 
Now, before you go, it's time for the Guardian and Observer's 2022 charity appeal. As the cost of living crisis pushes 14.5 million people below the poverty line in the UK, families across the country are facing a bleak Christmas period. Join us as we raise funds for charities working on the front line. All your donations will go to citizens of vice and locality, supporting those who've been hit the hardest. Donate at theguardian.com forward slash charity appeal 2022. That's theguardian.com forward slash charity appeal 2022. We've also put a link on the podcast website at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. The producer was Ned Carter-Miles. The sound design was by Tony Onachuku. And the executive producer was Georgia Moody. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. This is The Guardian. Looking for your next great podcast? We live in unprecedented times. To make sense of it, what if you could learn from some of the most influential people on the planet? The podcast Tools and Weapons is hosted by Microsoft's Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Every week, he has a candid conversation with guests, including prime ministers and Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists. The latest episode features Bayer CEO Bill Anderson. Though most of us know Bayer for pharmaceuticals, they're also focused on crop science. They're putting digital tools in the hands of farmers to get the most out of every acre. Listen to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts.